Hey guys, welcome back to the show and thank you so much for tuning in. If it's your first time here, I'm Lauren and this is Liam. Hello. And we have some fun stories to talk about today. So first off, Yelp is introducing a new feature that's going to brand allegedly racist businesses as allegedly racist. What could possibly go wrong with that? I don't know. Then uh, Kamala Harris gives her performance in the VP debate and apparently was being just mansplained to and man-interrupted the whole time. Also, Mm. her blackness has something to do with it. I don't know. We're going to be looking at what people have to say, though. Uh, Then a teacher who was working in the UK is let go supposedly for being a homophobic bigot. She says she was actually fired for standing up for Christian beliefs. We're going to be talking about that. And then finally, looking at the craziness that is going on in Portland, where Antifa at this point pretty much runs the show. I mean, we saw that they tried to form their own little autonomous society in Portland. But I think we're at a point now where, I mean, all of Portland. Pretty much. Even the uh, the prospective mayor candidate we're going to be looking at, she seems to ship pretty heavily for them. All right. So first off, we have this Yelp story, which is crazy. So if you guys aren't familiar with Yelp, they're pretty much a, like a review site. Uh, you can review yeah. local businesses. They're in the US, Canada, I think UK. They're pretty international at this point. Yeah, and, and they're very, very important for particularly restaurants, yes. right? It's it's actually very important that they have a good Yelp review because they're one of the top things that pops up in mm-hmm. Google search. If you have a low Yelp review, people are going to second guess your restaurant. Right. Well, on social media, they made quite the splash when they put out a series of posts, which I have here. I'll read for you all. They said, today we're announcing a new consumer alert to stand against racism. In the last few months, we've seen that there is a clear need to warn consumers about businesses associated with egregious racially charged actions to help people make more informed spending decisions. What? Like what? What? What are they referring to? I don't, I don't even know. know. This is like revenge for McCarthyism. I think so. This is like, this is like <laughs> the, ba- this, the communists now. are now like uh, evaluating everybody else. You know, pretty much. I mean, it, it gets worse though. They say communities have always turned to Yelp in reaction to current events. Isn't that one of the things they were trying to get people to not do? Because in the past, um, like if if something controversial would happen at a business, what's happened is people would Yelp review bomb them. Yeah. So you would have people who had never even been to that business, never eaten at that restaurant, whatever it is, giving that place bad reviews because they did like something political even though it had nothing to do with the That's business right. themselves and i used to think that yelp tried to dissuade that like they would lock reviews right. if they felt that a review or a establishment was being review bombed yeah kind of like uh movies with rotten tomatoes right right, they, right. They like to do that but it seems like uh it's a little bit out of the window now. I don't know. Yeah. Like it's not, it's, it's, they've changed their policy. It anyway. seems like a total 180, but they say our user operations team already places alerts on business pages when we notice an unusual uptick in reviews that are based on what someone may have seen in the news rather than on a firsthand experience. Now, when a business gains attention for reports of racist conduct, Yep will place a new business accused of racist behavior alert on their Yelp page to inform users along with a link to a news article where they can learn more yeah this is real life this is pretty much a a social credit system that we are implementing that's true but honestly i hate to say it but it's 2020 and it's this will sound bad but if i see that i'll probably be like maybe these people are good owners yeah Yeah, maybe maybe, they're just maybe they're just the regular people and the communists that go there don't like it and that's a good sign for me maybe there's less communists there and they don't cater to them that's right and i we see how much the term racist is just being thrown around not that long ago there was this bubble tea place that was accused of racism for being called named like trap boba or something which is apparently appropriating 
black culture we saw a while ago as well there was a white woman who wanted to open up a chinese restaurant using like healthy ingredients so i guess less oil less msg she was accused of cultural appropriation and racism in the past we've done events where i mean like bipartisan events like mine's irl where the uh, bar owners who agreed to host the after party were called racist just for agreeing to have both Republicans yeah. and Democrats, liberals and conservatives together. So, I mean, we're at a point where culturally, you're right, it means absolutely nothing. And actually, if I see the left calling someone racist, I'm more likely to believe that they are a reasonable person, which is shocking to That's, say. That's so warped. Yeah. yeah. Completely. Um, so we have an example of what this alert is going to look like here. Business accused of racist behavior. They have like a very scary red circle exclamation point thing going on at the top. It says recently someone associated with this business was accused of racist behavior. Oh, so it's just associated with this business. <laughs> Not even necessarily the business itself. What the heck? Someone that passed by the business did something that a communist didn't like. Yeah. And, uh, there was this one guy who worked there five years ago and yes. he, he voted for Trump. Therefore, we must ruin the livelihood of the owners. Mm -hmm. They say resulting in an influx of people posting their views to this page, racism is reprehensible and has no place on Yelp. And we unequivocally reject racism in any form. Brave. Thank, Stunning thank and you, brave. Yelp. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Racism destroyed. Yeah, pretty much. Read about the reports of racist behavior here. While we understand the desire to warn others about racist behavior associated with the business, all reviews on Yelp must reflect an actual first-hand consumer experience. We have temporarily disabled okay. the ability to post. Yeah. So, I mean... I guess some people might say, oh, no, it's it's actually to prevent the negative yeah. reviews. But it's like it's you're still labeling this business racist without them having, as far as I know, any way to appeal it or anything like that. Right. I wonder what their investigations look like. Yeah, like, just like I'm, I saw I'm this. I'm pretty sure um, they don't hire Inspector Gadget to go in there and figure it out. Right. I mean, they're just someone will say this is a racist behavior. And then some bureaucrat in Yelp with pink hair is going to yeah. figure out if it was truly racist or not. Yeah, it'll just be like, yeah, well, Vox had an article or something or saw a tweet there for racism. And it's yeah. actually it's scary that the people at Yelp might have the ability to paint your business as being racist or not racist to million, millions and millions of users. And I think this is just another example of how we're really living in this technocracy. Yeah. more and more like these unaccountable unelected people have such control over our lives and at this point i think if i had a business that was on yelp i would i would remove my listing from yelp probably yeah, uh, you possible. know uh, stick to google if you can they don't have this racist disclaimer yet yeah not uh, yet not yet but you know because it, it, the, there's so much liability with that that's that's crazy you don't know you know you don't know that every one of your employees is going to be perfect all the time or that your clients are going to be perfect all the time. So right. I mean, sometimes, and I know the saying is the customer is always right, but as someone who's worked in customer service before, sometimes you just get an unruly customer. Like if some crazy person starts yelling at you, accusing you of this or that, what are you supposed to say as a business? I think when I was like 20, I kind of vowed to never do customer service again. Yeah. And uh, yeah, no, the customer is most often wrong <laughs> and you're there to educate them. That's, yes. that's the way I see it. Uh, I mean, yeah, obviously there are, there are a lot of bad uh, uh, workers. Server, uh, servers but, as well, yeah. But yeah, the point is the customer is always right. It's definitely wrong. And especially if you're working in some place like Portland, you're probably... Probably dealing with a lot yeah. of crazies and I, I pity those businesses. But also, you should have moved by now. Um, so we have some examples here uh, of what the, I think, a CEO of Yelp has tweeted in the past. And this just goes to show why you don't want these people in charge of who is called racist or not. So this is from Michelle Malk in these examples. It says, FYI, Yelp CEO Jeremy S has tweeted and retweeted propaganda tweets regarding Breonna Taylor, Jacob Blake, and George Floyd falsely 
sliming cops before they've had their day in court. So we all know how Yelp's new accused of racism alert system is going to work out. The name of the CEO is Jeremy Stoppelman. We have a post here saying, I am beyond outraged over the senseless killings of George Floyd, Ahmed Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and countless others. This needs to stop now. I stand with those against injustice and racism. He's also posted in the, pa in the past by Black, upload your impact, hashtag my Black receipt. Oh my gosh, that's such a gross campaign. Is that just like that, people that, well, virtue signaling that I, I gave money to a black person. I mean, I think so. I've also seen that on like Uber Eats where they have like promotions yeah, to buy black. support black like, owned restaurants. It's, uh, yeah, that that I find quite disturbing. Like That's it was weird. like, like it was it was during COVID and the whole riots, right? Yeah. And they're like buy black, support black people. It was like, also how about like support your whole community right now? Cause everybody needs help. Yeah. I don't see why we're privileging one class of people like this based on inalienable traits. Right. And I think what's kind of ironic is that if there are white supremacists out there, you are pretty much just p putting a target on the black businesses. So they're not going to give them money. I, I don't know. It's like it's kind of the opposite idea of treating a business based on its worth, on its merit, on its product. You're literally just saying, oh, I like yeah. the color of your skin. Let me give you some money. We also have here him tweeting things about... Uh, Jacob Blake, obviously, um, that's still a contentious issue. But from everything I've seen, at least, it does look like he was he was resisting arrest and, and reaching for a knife. He's also in the past, the CEO retweeted Elizabeth Warren saying Breonna Taylor should be alive today. We need to fundamentally remake a criminal justice system that endangers black lives with impunity. Yeah, so there's that. But what also is kind of funny, this coming from Yelp, is that Yelp is actually not above or immune to the allegations that sometimes swirl around these larger companies. From Mike Cernovich, there's this one story that was released actually just last month, which reported that at Yelp's Phoenix office, some insiders say a boys club atmosphere fueled racism, sexism, and a hard partying culture on top of regular verbal abuse from customers. So does Yelp get one of those ratings? Like as soon as you sign on to Yelp, is there that disclaimer just for the site that you're on? <laughs> I, I I honestly don't know what's happening yeah. anymore in the I mean, world. I mean, the way that they're going, they would get a one-star review from me. I've got, you know, we've got first-hand experience going on their site. Mm -hmm. We see the racism disclaimers. It's bad. You yeah. know, Yelp, one-star. Be, be careful. You're dealing with racists there. And as you would obviously expect, I mean, who, who wouldn't predict this? Uh, there are already people out there, it looks like, trying to weaponize this system to hurt businesses that aren't necessarily racist, but merely just disagree with their political views. By the way, every Chick-fil-A in America, I'm sorry for this uh, new Yelp development. Yeah, you're screwed. Yeah, everybody's going to do it. Mm -hmm. So here, Andy No posted, with Yelp announcing it is going to put notices on businesses accused of racist behavior, one Antifa group responsible for organizing the violent protests in Portland is now compiling a list. What is it with these people and lists? They always want lists. Like, remember when there was that Trump fundraiser in California? People were asking for lists. <laughs> it's like, just... Stop it with the lists, you well, communists. I, I, we know why they want lists. I know. Yeah, it's, it's scary. It's, it is pretty telling. Yeah. So this account, SafePDX, says, we're trying to compile a list of all non-friendly businesses in PDX. I think that's maybe Portland's uh, airport code. AKA any company that's hanging Blue Lives garbage in their store or anything else that's anti the BLM movement, drop them below. So now we've kind of like moved the scale of who we're going to target as a business to, oh yeah, they're racist to just Blue Lives Matter like maybe a poster or something like yeah. that's enough oh goodness and uh what's kind of interesting about all of this going forward is that 
this really does seem like this is something driven from the online community, which is just a, a fringe amount of leftists and progressives who are very, very active online. But I don't know what the overall reaction is going to be from the everyday person. I hope I mean, that's kind of, it's kind of backwards, but I hope that we're at a point where everyone is so tired of being called racist all the time that we all ignore it. Yeah. But also that means that everyone's being called racist all the time, which isn't good, but... No, that, that's, that's not a good sign that we're winning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, if, if people are so tired of it that they yeah. start to push back, and I think there's probably going to be a lot of maybe just, you know, local stores now that have to deal with stuff like that. And maybe that'll be an awakening for them because they'll say like, hang on. Why, why does someone just randomly get to accuse me of racist, racism publicly and that's branded everywhere mm. and I don't, I don't get to fight back about it? It I'll, really uh, is the social credit system. Yeah, and I also want to say that right now these lists don't seem terribly scary. It feels like, like a lot of like angsty like people threatening violence that are not particularly you know, good at violence. <laughs> um, but they get progressively, as they gain numbers and just popular influence as what we're seeing with the Black Lives Matter yeah. movement as a whole and other things, those lists will become more and more scary because they could already, even though they're, you know, they're not great at violence, they are still capable of impacting a business just by mm -hmm. bureaucracy. But yeah. yeah, in the future, this might get a little bit scary as this movement gains momentum and it has, it has mm -hmm. really. I guess my advice to people out there would be, yeah, if you're a business and is it even possible to shut down your, I would just do it preemptively. I said, I don't want to be associated with this website. Yeah. Um, that is is being so flagrant with the uh, the label of racism. And if mm. you are a poster of Yelp, I would switch to Google, you know, stop giving them your contributions, take them somewhere else because these sites depend on their users for reviews, for photos, for information, all of that stuff. So just stop providing it to them. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, so we have more to talk about, but before we do, we are going to talk about Bull and Branch our amazing sponsor. So what do millions of Americans and three former U.S. presidents all have in common? They all agree that bowl and branch sheets are the softest and most comfortable pure organic cotton sheets on earth. I have a set and they are both soft and breathable, extremely comfortable. Bowl and branch cotton is rain-fed, pesticide-free, and carries the highest organic certification. That's why it is so soft, because they work with family-owned mills all over the world to expertly weave every set of bowl and branch sheets with the highest level of craftsmanship. It's quality you can feel the moment that you open a box. And since Bowling Branch sell direct to you, their sheets start at just $160, which for high quality sheets is a steal. They're $1,000 quality for a fraction of the price. Plus you can sleep on them for a month risk-free, so you have nothing to lose. So right now you will get $50 off any sheet set at bowlandbranch.com with the promo code CHEN, spelled B-O-L-L and branch.com with the promo code CHEN, again for $50 off, bowlandbranch.com with the promo code CHEN. Restrictions may apply, so see Bowling and branch.com for details guys you spend like a, a third of your life sleeping so when yeah. it comes to anything to do with your sleep i would say it's worth investing in all right so now let us discuss kamala harris kamala i i did a poll about how you actually pronounce mm. that name apparently it's kamala harris like comma and then la uh, uh i don't know i'm a kamala type of person to me that just sounds better but i'm uh, i'll say it however it's meant to be i guess kamala I'm very indifferent right now. Yeah. Well, anyway, so as I'm sure a lot of you know, the vice presidential debate uh, was this past week. And it's it, the, the wide consensus from people who are actually objective or were paying attention is that 
President or Vice President Pence absolutely dominated. And it was quite, quite the performance. Uh, he was very factual. He was very calm. He held his ground without being too aggressive. And a lot of even Trump supporters were saying Trump could learn a thing or two from Pence about how to debate. I even saw some people saying, well, if Trump isn't allowed at the next presidential debate, which we now know has been canceled, uh, maybe Vice President Pence could step in. And actually, Pence's reception overall, I think, was so positive that I wouldn't be surprised if going forward, the Trump campaign is going to be featuring him more. Yeah. Um, and there was I absolutely also prefer. I know that people are like, I don't care if Trump's a little bit unpresidential, but I kind of Trump's life would be so much easier if he was more presidential. Yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, uh, I so mean, I liked seeing this from Pence. He was very much like uh, meticulous and mm -hmm. uh, professional about it. No, he, he really was. I think he did an amazing job. But I think there were some other people who previously thought Pence was just kind of like a, a cup of water. You know, he's just there. Yeah. Not controversial, but not really amazing either. Like, it'll get the job done if you're thirsty, but it's nothing to write home about. I think I think Pence won over a lot of people. Uh, conversely, Kamala Harris, I would say the opposite. Uh, lost, maybe not some diehard fans, because I think there's, you know, a lot of tribalism going on on, right. you know, both sides, to be fair. But I think there yeah. were a lot of independents or maybe undecided people who saw her performance and were not impressed. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, to me, one of the telling things that I saw on Twitter, because obviously, I think that when, initially when I was watching this on Twitter, you have both sides saying their guy won. Mm -hmm. But the biggest, the biggest like hint as to who won from the left to me was that everybody was talking about the fly. Yes. Which is like, all right, if that is the substance you're going with as to like w what's cool in this debate for your side, Mike Pence has a fly land on his head. Yeah. It's like, all right, you lose. Although I do have to say regarding the fly, that is the most, I don't know, stoic fly I've ever seen. It did not move. Mike Pence was moving around and it just stayed there. I wasn't even sure at first. I was like, what is that black thing? Because usually like if you move, a fly will fly away. This fly just stayed. It was, it was. Kind of weird. But anyway, uh, one of the funnier things to come from that debate uh, is the left's defense of Kamala Harris. And I think another way you can tell that things didn't actually go that great for the Democrats is the fact that we now have entire swaths of the left claiming that she was the victim that night of mm. sexism, mostly sexism, but also a little bit of racism. Yeah. Right, which I think if she had done well and won, they wouldn't need to I'm do. I'm Yelp reviewing Mike Pence immediately. Yeah, he gets a racism alert. Um, and what's really funny is that, you know, all of this like mansplaining type of rhetoric that started, you know, Tumblr, the extreme feminist, whatever. But we're actually seeing like mainstream news outlets kind of adopt uh, this yes. type of, I don't know, vernacular. And it's really shocking. We have this from Dan Rather, who... I mean, I, I haven't heard anything about Dan Rather for a long time, but he he used to be like a respectable journalist. I mean, you know, he's had some issues with his credibility in the past, but he was, you know, I never thought of him as some fringe, crazy Tumblr feminist. But here we have this post. I don't think VP Pence's mansplaining and over-talking is doing a lot to narrow the gender gap unless it is also turning off more men as well. What? Dan Rather posting about mansplaining? And might I add that do, I mean... According to the, you know, the talking times that were compiled by different people, Kamala Harris did have more speaking time than Vice President Biden. So it's not like he was hogging up all the time either. Yeah, Pence, you mean, right? Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah. then Pence. Yeah, no, I I agree. And it, I mean, it is a debate. I mean, frankly, I, 
these debates i don't like the fact that they interrupt each other a lot yeah it, but it is it's the it's a problem because if you if you if you like you don't want to let someone's point against you slide especially if you well don't you don't want that and you also like pretend you're, you're standing on like the high ground and like yeah. you just let them just spiel on forever like the moderator has to do a better job but it, it's actually it's not even it's just the debates are fundamentally broken let's right. be honest they're they're not even debates at this point they're just a matter of like talking points past each other mm -hmm. a lot of the time it's like here is my prepped argument regarding this here's yes. my prepped argument it's nothing you can't find yeah. on their website pretty much this was better than the first presidential debate though, oh yeah by a wide margin. oh yeah in, in this one regard. didn't give me a headache so there's that yes um but no a lot of people think similar to you and they actually just say like you know what screw all of the other vi or presidential debates just have biden and trump go on joe rogan and have like a four-hour conversation i mean i th i honestly think it would be more enlightening <clears throat> than anything we've seen from the presidential debate commission yeah seriously well i did see joe put out a good joke about that and he said he would need uh Big John, who's like a former UFC referee, to uh -huh. help uh, moderate that debate, <laughs> and that, that's pretty much what you would need if you were if you were Joe in that yeah. in that thing. I mean, it'd just be Joe Rogan asking both of them, like, "What are, what are your thoughts on DMT?" <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and you know Dan Rather wasn't the only quote journalist who was going on the mansplaining route. We also have this clip from ABC's George Stephanopoulos, someone who I also would never have called an extreme or like a cringe feminist in the past, but here we are. Because obviously Mike Pence uh, is a former television commentator, does have a very calm demeanor, but I think a lot of people were noticing some mansplaining going on. I remember when the term mansplaining came out and I think I might've done a video about it. Like this was like, what, four or three years ago. And I know, as is often the case, I get people saying, why are you talking about this? This is the just fringe crazies on the internet. Look at us now, okay? George Stephanopoulos, there are people actually in the media and in serious political positions positions who are using this term. Yeah. And it's we're at a point in society where a man can't even engage a woman in a formal debate without being accused of mansplaining. It's, it's tough, but this has been one of their strategies for years now, and that is controlling uh, the vocabulary, controlling the dictionary. Yes, um, yes. You know, they attack things from like an epistemic sense. So it's, it's interesting to see, I guess. It's very effective, I think, because it's progressively it's been ramping up and being adopted by the popular culture mm -hmm. and just people in general, mansplaining, manspreading. There's manterruption Yes, manterruption. Um, and they're going to continue to do this. And they also do things, not only invent these made-up words, um, but they redefine old ones or try mm -hmm. to redefine old ones like racism, right? Yeah. Where it has to involve now some kind of institutional power as well as discrimination. Yeah. In their mind, which is which is bullcrap, by the way. Or they try to codify things like dog whistles. So now there are yeah. several words, even though they're not innately racist, because some racists at some point in time use them in a racist argument. Now right. you can't even things like IQ, socioeconomic background, um, yeah. you know, all of these things now, immigration in general, like they think they're dog whistles. And so you can't even use them without being accused of bigotry. And I've had some people say, why don't you just avoid those terms? You know how people are going to portray you. And it's like, because I shouldn't have to change the way I speak mm -hmm. to appease extremists. Yeah. No, and I, you know, I fully support Mike Pence being able to stand his own ground. And there were times where uh, Kamala Harris didn't answer a question and he took the initiative to ask her. And I don't think that's mansplaining. I think that's just trying to get an actual response from a politician. An example of this is the Supreme Court question. He asked her explicitly, will you pack the Supreme Court? She refused to give an answer several times. 
Like, that's not mansplaining or man interruptions. That's just trying to nail down a slimy politician. Yeah, and on a very, very important issue, by the way, which uh, Joe Biden's response was uh, not much better if you saw that. No. He said, you'll find out my opinion on that after the election. Yeah. It's like, okay. That's that's cool. That's definitely how elections should work. That's transparent, work. yeah. Yeah. Next, of course, AOC wanted to hop on the Pence is a sexist bandwagon. She said, Pence demanding that Harris answer his own personal questions when he won't even answer the moderators is gross. An exemplary of the gender dynamics so many women have to deal with at work. Who are these people? Who are these Democrats working with? Other liberal men? Is that why they're all so sexist? Like, I, I don't understand. And just for the record, I am, in fact, a woman who does need to work with men. That's true. Uh, yes. Honestly, at this point, let's just go with the full, the next step that the leftists will take, which is segregate the workforce yeah. by gender and exactly. then by race. And we all, <laughs> I don't even know where it just continues to, 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 yeah. you know, they get more incestuous as it goes on. But I mean, I, I wouldn't want to work with the people that, that use the term interruption, right? No. You can imagine what kind of crazy people, I won't use any other terms that I'm imagining, yeah. but that they are, right? They would be miserable to work with as a man because you can't even defend yourself. Yeah, and I have in, to say- In a regular conversation without being like uh, accused of some kind of misogyny. Right, and I think what's ironic is that so often the women who accuse men of mansplaining and man interruptions are the most obnoxious women. Like, is that is that fair to say? Yeah, like the women who, who use these terms, I think, are way more likely than the average woman to interrupt someone, yes. to try to speak over someone, redefine terms, be condescending. It's like oh, AOC, I say, is an example of that. But here, here's one of the more obnoxious ones. This is from UN Women. And actually, last week, I was debating doing, doing an entire segment about how insane UN Women is. Uh, I didn't end up doing it. But this is the latest example of their... Oh my gosh, pandering to feminists. They put out a tweet saying, let's interrupt the gender bias instead of the women who are speaking. We can all help stop the cycle of man interruption by recognizing it, calling it out, and stopping an interrupter in his or her tracks. And see, like, they're trying to be like, oh, women do it too, but like, then that's just interruption. Which is, yes, not polite. Yes. It's not a gendered issue. No. Yeah. Uh, so man interruption, the unnecessary interruption of a woman by a man or the other definition they give a patriarchal act that is linked to a man's sense of epistemic entitlement that makes it very natural to speak over others and to hold the floor for longer than is proper. OK, so even if a woman is interrupting someone, she's still man interrupting in that it is uh, the patriarchy that kind of enables this behavior. Right. And I'm sure that they also leave this open because, of course, uh, gender fluidity and dynamics that they mm -hmm. have to also account for. Right. So but but really what they're speaking about is just men, which is funny because it's like um, if you watch the way that men behave with men, like we interrupt each other all the time. And is there a, we all have friends like that. Interrupt yeah, each other too I many have times tons of friends who are females and interrupt. They'll talk too much. Yeah. And, yeah. It's, and then when you do it to a female, suddenly it's some form of like violence. It's yeah. like, OK, uh, I mean. What's going on here? Like, why why is my behavior towards men not a problem? Yeah. But when it happens to women, and it's like, again, it isn't a violent thing. Why is it a problem all of a sudden? Right. And I mean, to this specific example with Kamala Harris, if she is campaigning to be vice president of like the most powerful country in the United States, do we even want someone who supposedly allows herself to be steamrolled by a man? Right. What is she as one of the world leaders not going to have interactions with a man that demand she like... Yeah hold her own right because i don't think we should have any types of leaders in societies or whatever where it's like unless they're given 
some sort of imaginary feminist certification of respect, uh, then they're just screwed. I want, I would think, someone to be able to, you know, push back, stand their ground, make right. themselves heard. That's a good uh, point. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Washington Post also put out a piece saying Kamala Harris and the shameful history of slamming women as unlikable. I mean, Kamala Harris is pretty unlikable. There was a yeah. lot of smirking, a lot of, I think she was trying to be sassy and have like clapback moments. It just came across as kind of if i can say that sorry yeah yeah we might have to censor that okay but... sorry you might have to beep it out but you all know what yeah, i was we referring know, yeah. to well, and then of course like a feminist will say well why is she getting that kind of uh you know word put on her and not not a man that would do the same thing why can't a woman be sassy mm-hmm. um you know but it, it, men have this we have our own stereotypes for that the right. man, a man that does that would be um Call the sexist bigot. I mean, a sexist like, bigot sexist would be bigot, yeah, the worst, like, the worst thing you could call them, really. But no, for they sure. have all kinds of names. They would just be a brute, really. You know, it's it's and it's not an attractive feature even in a man. It's, right, definitely. And I just want to say, not all women are painted as unlikable. I mean, Tulsi Gabbard. I've not really heard people call her unlikable. Right, no, she's not no. grating. She's Only not people annoying. controlled by the military-industrial complex. Even then, they like they'll <laughs> usually call her like a, an Assad tanky uh, uh, and, yes. and things like that but they don't really call her unlikable because yeah. even they have to admit she's not very unlikable no, she's, she's pretty fine. adorable i have to say uh and then like we're just going to wrap this up with the people who were bringing race into it so not only was kamala harris treated unfairly and oppressively because she's a woman but she's also a black woman pence is white yes gender and racial dynamics washington post which i mean at this point if you subscribe to the Washington Post, what are you doing? What are you doing? Opinion, America hates to let black women speak. I mean, we kind of see from the adoration of Michelle Obama and people like Oprah Winfrey that, mm, mm, I don't know if that's true. Uh, Mark Ruffalo, again, with another just high IQ political take, just going over it all in my head. The way Mike Pence constantly interrupted and spoke over Kamala Harris was the prime example of white male supremacy and its common dismissal and disrespect for black women. I'll be honest, I don't think he's going over it in his head. I think it went over his head and he's trying to grasp at it. Pretty much. I mean, like, if the symbol of white male supremacy in America is when the current vice president is debating a vice presidential candidate who is a black woman <laughs> and the black woman gets more equal like more speaking time then i have to say white male supremacy is not doing very well right no. not really uh, or, or if it is it's it's a pretty benign like thing to talk about pretty it's like, much it's not that bad clearly because she seems to have gotten pretty fair treatment. Yeah. And uh, of course, then we have the Toronto Star, which is a Canadian outlet. Um, they decided to talk to different women in different professional fields and get their experiences mm. with mansplaining. They say, following the Harris-Pence debate, we asked women to share their experiences of times they've been inter- interrupted or talked over. Also, advice to their male colleagues on how to be respectful. We have this one person, Hanan Mahmoud, researcher and law student, existing as a black Muslim woman, some intersectionality there, in policy and legal spaces means addressing interruptions repetitively. Recently, while presenting over Zoom, a male colleague with a broken mic kept spamming the chat box. This is the face of white male supremacy. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is, we are, we need real problems. I don't know. I say this before, but like, that's crazy that this is something that you would actually remember and bring up. Yeah. You know, it's... Uh, also, I like it when people read like the chat or use the chat in Zoom calls, especially if it's a, I don't see that as a problem. It's a pretty benign thing to do. Like, you're not interrupting the person. Yeah. People who want to read it can. I don't know. I think you're a little bit egotistical to be taking note of that. I could just imagine, like, her saying to the guy, 
in ch- like on her mic saying stop typing in chat while i'm talking or something yeah. it's like oh uh, that's someone that's controlling and egotistical no for sure we have this person samantha peters lawyer and educator they say men often play devil's advocate speak over me despite this i often rely on teachings from black feminists like audrey lord not sure who that person is who remind me why it is important for black women to take up space yeah i mean i i often hear that criticism of men from feminists that they play devil's advocate as if it's such a terrible thing to offer a differing perspective, even if it may not be one that you have. Yeah. Well, they're, they're mad because, I mean, when I play devil's advocate, it's normally because I am arguing against them. Yeah. But I'm just doing it publicly so in a place where I, I don't want them screaming at me. So <laughs> I'll just say, oh, okay, I'll play the devil's advocate. And here I'll present you with an idea that will challenge your idea. And they don't like that. Yeah. They don't like to be challenged. Um, because their ideas are weak. And mm-hmm. when they when they confront them, they, they realize this and it makes them uncomfortable. Right. Finally, the outlet concludes by saying, advice, men must first take ownership. That's you, Liam, that this is a problem they have to solve. And while we can bring awareness to it, it is actually their responsibility to start reducing the number of mansplainers we have out there. So you should all just feel very bad about yourselves if you identify as a man. Um, But you know what? I think the answer here is for everyone to stop identifying as men. And then if if you, even if you have a penis, start identifying as a woman, it's all of a sudden brave and empowering for you to interrupt people. So yeah. something to think about. All right, so our next story brings us to the UK, specifically their education system. We've done quite a few segments on the yes. education system in the UK. Not many positive things happening there from what i can tell we've had some stories of crazy sex ed being taught to very young students uh lessons on multiculturalism and things like that i'm pretty sure in the uk there's also starting to be this like drag queen story hour there have been some british incidents of that as well so um what we have recently is that a i believe okay i'm not sure i may have referred to her as a teacher before but this just says school worker so she might have just been in administration anyway as pink news reports which is as you guys know, my favorite news source for LGBT happenings, they say school worker who attacked LGBT plus indoctrination wasn't sacked for being Christian tribunal rules. She was fired for homophobia. So you can already tell like in this story where the kind of tensions are going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, they pretty much define hom- uh, Christianity as homophobia nowadays. So it's all well and good for them to say, oh, we're not attacking you because of Christian beliefs. But I I, I really want to ask them, what Christian beliefs are you okay with that are actually biblical? Like, I don't mean any of this new age, like uh, Hillsong, frankly, love their music, but they're shaky theologically. Like, not that type of Christian. Like, what actual biblical truth do you not find offensive? Right? Because they'll try to say, oh, no, no, I'm fine with Christianity. You're not fine with Christianity. You're not fine with actual practicing Christians. So it continues, Christy Higgs, a school worker who was sacked over extreme Facebook rants in which she attacked LGBT plus brainwashing. She sounds based, honestly, from everything I've seen, has lost her employment tribunal case after attempting to argue she was discriminated against for Christian beliefs. A tribunal told the 44-year-old on Wednesday that she had been sacked for making homophobic and transphobic comments, not for being a Christian, as she had argued. She'd been employed at Farmer School in Fairford, Gloucestershire. I, f- I think you got it there. Gloucestershire? Yeah, I mean, bad. I've only pronounced like a quarter of the letters that are there. So the but- British invented these places. Places to, to trap Americans in the yeah, future. Yeah, that's true. To that, identify like, these foreigners. names, uh, Worcestershire, and uh, like it's like they're spelt 
wrong. Yeah, like, like we have just, just completely are. abandoned any semblance of It's not the Queen's phonetics. English anymore. This, no. is, this is a heresy. Yeah. She was sacked for gross misconduct in 2018 after complaints regarding her Facebook posts ranting about LGBT inclusive education. So here we have a copy of at least one of her posts. It says, please read this. They are brainwashing our children. On November 7th, the government consultation into making relationships education mandatory in primary schools and relationships and sex education mandatory in secondary school closes, which means, for example, that children will be taught that all relationships are equally valid and normal so that same-sex marriage is exactly the same as traditional marriage and that gender is a matter of choice not biology so that it's up to them what they what sex they say they are okay so so far she's 100 percent correct from what i can tell like this is actually happening in british schools yeah at the same time it means that expressing and teaching fundamental christian beliefs relating to the creation of men and women and marriage will in practice become forbidden i mean they kind of proved her right by firing her for saying this, just want to just saying because they conflict with the new morality and are seen as indoctrination into unacceptable religious bigotry, which means that freedom of belief will be destroyed with freedom of speech permitted only for those who toe the party line. Again, this all seems to be confirmed by what ended up happening to her. We say again, this is a vicious form of totalitarianism aimed at suppressing Christianity and removing it from the public arena. Please sign this petition. They have already started to brainwash our innocent, wonderfully created children, and it's happening in our local primary school now. This is is not I mean I guess what I think they think it's transphobic because she's implying that gender is not a matter of biology it is a matter of choice you know and that she's implying that all relationships are equally valid and quote normal and it's like I don't care what your political beliefs are the default for humans and any other species that reproduces uh you know with intercourse and stuff like that is heterosexuality that just it you know it's not a moral judgment on anybody but like if we're gonna talk about this rationally it's you know if, if you have a, a lineup of 100 couples it's not gonna be 50 50 unless you're like in portland yeah that's true no i mean it is, it is the way that we are as humans that's a fact but but it's a fact that we're fa fast forgetting right? yeah i mean ben shapiro said it for years now back when it was funny you know but now it, it is true that you know these these facts like biology are being contested and and actually almost every field in science has been uh, yeah. inundated with a new uh, critical theory mm -hmm. about basic fundamental truths of humanity for sure it says after being sacked for misconduct higgs brought a challenge against the school with help from christian from the christian legal center an offshoot of the anti-lgbt lobbying group christian concern that often provides pro bono legal representation to people who have made homophobic comments honestly i don't see any like I don't think she should have been fired. I think it's gross that she was fired. I think she raises good points. And she clearly illustrated that there is a bias against Christian beliefs by the fact that she was fired for this, I mean, I think pretty innocent post. It says on Wednesday, Higgs' case was dismissed. Employment judge Derek Reed affirmed that Higgs was sacked because the school felt that the language used in those posts might reasonably lead someone who read them to conclude that she held transphobic and homophobic views. Okay, so now she is responsible for how other people might perceive her statements mm. he's not even saying that her statements are objectively transphobic and homophobic he is saying that quote the school felt the language used in those posts might reasonably lead someone who read them to conclude that this worker was transphobic and homophobic unbelievable and because of a genuine belief on the part of the school that she had committed gross misconduct the ruling continues that behavior the school felt had the potential for a negative impact in relation to various groups of people namely pupils parents staff and the wider community and uh, it does say in the article that 
that they plan on appealing this ruling. Notice how they are. They really have to. Yeah, no, they absolutely it's, have it's to. It's vital that they fight this kind of thing because mm -hmm. they're losing a lot of these battles in the way that, that I think the UK court works in particular. They use a lot of precedents. Right. So you really need to set a precedent that this is unacceptable because... Otherwise... Uh, otherwise it will be used actually against people in the future. No, for sure. And what... What I think is interesting is that they only care about the overall well-being and protection of certain communities nowadays. I do not believe that if this person had been, for example, a Muslim worker, that she would face the same consequences. Case in point, I know in the UK, what is the area? Which area is that? Like in Birmingham or somewhere? There's been protests, so. um, Muslim parents protesting the LGBT heavy education that um, their children are being forced. And... I mean, I don't think there are teachers involved who are, you know, in these protests, but at least in that case, it seems like the far left have been a lot more, I mean, amicable to, you know, these types of beliefs. But when it comes from a Christian person, then no, it's, I'm sorry, you, you're sacked, you get fired. And it's like, no, you, you guys need to stand up, do something because this is like, if you, if you lose the education system, which I think, I mean, let's face it, yeah. is already done, but yeah. still like you are losing each coming generation like you can't expect to get someone out of college at 22 after they've gone through what 16 years of indoctrination yeah. and to just be like all right well let's watch some glenn beck or ben shapiro as much as i love those guys and you know you'll snap right out of it no like you know the conservative media is important of course but we gotta fight back sooner and actually relating to this story uh just to i don't know give you guys a little update on what's going on in europe um Macron in France is trying, I think, to ban homeschooling. Uh, I don't think he's succeeded yet, but we have this piece from Breitbart. It says Macron faces Islamophobia claims over homeschooling ban to protect children from religion. <laughs> right. So you, it's only the only acceptable type of indoctrination is state indoctrination. Right. You can't have any religion in that. Yeah, that's what it's directly saying. Yeah. It says Emmanuel Macron has been attacked for Islamophobia by the Turkish government in the wake of his announcement that France will ban homeschooling to protect children from religion as part of plans to combat so-called separatism in the country and the article goes on to explain that this is an attempt at least they're claiming to clamp or clamp down on a lot of the madrasas the um you know kind of muslim schools who are run by extremists that don't actually teach any content it says speaking to an audience in limero on friday a suburb near paris where people of arab and african ancestry reportedly make up the majority of the population he disclosed that illegal schools run by religious extremists were being closed down every week by authorities in france you know they're doing this under the guise of just oh we just want to stamp out religious extremists but mm -hmm. this affects so many more people yeah. than just religious extremists and i think if you're worried about religious extremism in your country maybe don't import religious extremists right rather than take away the freedoms of your citizens make many of whom yeah are muslims who aren't religious extremists they should still have the right to homeschool yeah and if i were a parent in france right now i would be out of there i would be out of there of course yeah i mean i guess the fundamental problem is that the people that are in power fundamentally just not, not even disagree with you but their goal is different and their goal is to collect more power right now and if if they can get every student every single child in france in state education and educate them in the way that they think 
the world works through their mm-hmm. ideology. That's exactly what they want. So it's it's almost like the this importing the immigrants could be like a guise for this yeah. kind of thing because it justifies more power for them. Yes, exactly. Yeah, under the guise of advancing safety. And now let's talk about Portland. So Portland is in the midst of a mayoral election right now. Uh, current mayor is named Ted Wheeler. You've probably seen or heard of him yes. in the news surrounding all of the craziness going on up there. Uh, his challenger is someone named Sarah Ayanarone. Her name is Sarah. Probably Yanarone. Yanarone, something in Italian. All right. So, you know, Ted Wheeler, he's already a leftist. Let's be real. He's the mayor of Portland. But from what I've, I've seen, this new challenger, she makes him look like a moderate. Uh... For example, we have this post here. It says the front runner to become the next mayor of Portland apparently wore a skirt with pictures of Mao and Che Guevara while campaigning for the position. The incoherence and hypocrisy in what people get canceled for and what we let pass without a word remains astonishing. And there's a photo here. Yep, she's wearing a skirt. See photos of Che, see photos of Mao. Yeah, nothing like shipping genocidal maniacs on yeah, your clothing while campaigning for political positions. It's always funny because we always give like Hitler the number one bad guy of the world, right? Yeah. It's like like Mao's kind of like only certain people remember how bad he was. Mm-hmm. He's he's he like he eclipsed Hitler. Oh, for sure. Like, Death you know, toll totally no, not eclipsed even close. Him. And and it's yeah, it's crazy to 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 see anybody defending him, which communists now do. Mm-hmm. Or, and not only that, but openly wearing merch right. with him on it while running for political office in America. Yeah, I think that her wearing a you know a skirt with Mao on it should have the same visceral reaction, if not more so, if Trump were to wear a tie with Hitler on it. Like yeah. I really do, and I tweeted out the other day, like fascism and communism, they're just as bad. Like you know, I don't care which murderous totalitarian ideology you stand for. I'm not for it. So I think it's gross that these people are getting away with it. It just goes to show how, how much control they have over the, over the culture yes. that they're allowed to get away with their extremism. But uh, here we have some clips of the debate that went on uh, between Wheeler and his challenger. And I wanted to highlight this gentleman's question. It's a very good one. And uh, the answer that the female candidate gave was quite interesting. This question is for both candidates. When do peaceful protests under our First Amendment become unlawful, dangerous, and violent? And when would you put a stop to this, making sure that we do go back to peaceful protests and not allowing our city to burn night after night? All right, so I am sure that the number of conservatives in Portland, pretty slim right now. However, I think the number of just reasonable citizens who don't want their, you know, businesses set on fire, who don't want to see looting, who don't want to see any violence, or even just night after night of raucous violent protests, I think they're probably a sizable amount of people. So I really appreciate this guy's question. Here is the answer that um, the Antifa stand gave. I know how upsetting it is when there is unrest in your neighborhoods, especially when night after night we're seeing that protests about police brutality are met with increased police brutality and how comfortable it can be when things like tear gas are administered and leak into the homes of residents and neighborhoods across the city. The answer to addressing the issue that's happening in our streets is to standing alongside these young Black Lives Matter leaders meeting with them, talking with them, working with them on these issues, and making progress toward real reform. I condemn violence in all forms, I always have, but we must know 
that the answer to protests about police brutality cannot be increased police brutality. So she pretty much refuses to pin any of the violence on the protesters, pins it all no. on the cops. Like, oh yeah, you no. know what, it is right. You're right to feel concerned over having tear gas in your house and seeing protesters beaten. It's like, well, is that the main source of the violence? Yeah, ultimately she's saying we must cave into the violence of the protesters. Yeah, which we, is... We must let them, you know, we, we must concede to them. Yeah, which is pretty much like the goal of terrorism. And she's just yes. giving right into them. I don't want to say giving right into them, actually, because that implies she is somehow separated from that group. Um, as one of the moderators of this debate, who I have to give props to, was trying to suss out, it kind of seems like she is actually Antifa herself, which is kind of terrifying if you're in Portland, the idea that you might actually have an Antifa mayor. But I don't know how else to uh, interpret the I've answers. I've got a big fat smile on because that's what you get for living in Portland. Yeah, seriously. Get out of there. I, like, mean, I mean, no, honestly, I do feel bad for you if you live there, but you leave, it's, it's you laughable. Have to leave by it's now. Like, this is, uh, yeah, this is crazy and you need to get, like, just get the heck out of there. Get, I don't know where you go at this point because it's it's going crazy. And crazy yeah, here, there's but, very few safe places but left. wherever you go, please do not vote for the same party that yes. put these people into place yeah don't don't leave only to vote for the same policies that made you flee in the first place but if you're not convinced you need to leave portland yet uh i give to you the front runner for your mayoral race being opposed to fascism in 2020 is not something to be embarrassed about i have a bumper sticker from the beginning of my campaign that says hashtag everyday anti-fascist and what i have tried to do is normalize peaceful responses to the rise of white nationalism by organizing in my community. I organized the, this summer when the Proud Boys came to town, I organized a menstrual product drive for my neighbors residing in the Laurelwood shelter because the answer to toxic masculinity is an inclusive pluralist society where let, people let me, of let all me jump backgrounds in here. feel welcome. Let me jump in here and just ask you though, is being anti-fascist the same thing as being Antifa? Are you Antifa? Antifa is not anything more than idea. That's what Vice President Biden explained to us. It's people who oppose anti-fascism. And I strongly oppose anti-fascism and I adopt and implement peaceful responses to that. Um, and that is how I describe my position on this issue. Donald Trump has decided to make the enemy of groups of people who oppose his bullies and his militia forces, but I'm not gonna be caught up in that rhetoric. So there you go, she is, she's Antifa. Yeah. Yeah, she tried to beat around the bush, but she is anti-Eva. And I have to say kudos to that debate moderator for actually trying to pin her down and make her answer that question. I feel like, you know, if there's no one signed up yet for moderating the next presidential debate, they should call up this lady. Yeah. And I mean, listen, if Antifa wasn't enough for you, the fact that she also like organized a, a drive menstrual. for menstrual products. <laughs> yeah. That's like a... Uh, I, I, I just like kind of blink like like into the distance like what's going like what does that mean first mm -hmm. of all like what does that entail is like should, should the CDC be involved I don't know but this is this is some warped stuff I don't know some inclusive pluralistic stuff yeah. I think is what they called it but no this is like devilry yeah. and uh, if Antifa wasn't enough you should know by now this is this is all crazy 2020 world and right. I, I wonder if she'll win and it's crazy because I see Ted Wheeler on the right side of that screen and he looks like the kind of like American moderate guy. And he's like the farthest left mayor in, in the country. Right. And he's for got like sure. the American flag behind him and he looks all like he doesn't even have to say anything to win almost. If he's if he's got like the tiniest brain. Yeah. Well I, I mean, I, I well, hope that Portland isn't that far gone. Yeah, I was gonna say he doesn't even need to say anything to win. 
in a normal place. Yeah. Portland is not a normal place, Ugh. as we have seen. And, you know, even if you were someone who you just believe that, oh, yeah, you know, Antifa just means anti-fascism. The fact that she says she's committed to fighting like white nationalism and the Proud Boys, that's how you know she is so far left that anyone yeah. who is even remotely conservative or heck centrist probably seems like a fascist. Yeah. And just the idea that white nationalism, white nationalism is on the rise, by the way, it's just insane to me. No. Just if you look at everything statistically, it's false. Of course, they, equivalate, they, they uh, equivocate things like Donald Trump. With white nationalism. With white nationalism. No. Again, that's redefining language like we talked about earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, shifting goalposts. But in reality, racism has been on the decline up until basically these people started taking off and, and making <laughs> kind of more fanning racism. the flames. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, well, I think that's pretty much all we have to say for now. Bottom line, if you're in Portland still, get out. If you're in L.A., get out. If you're in Seattle, get out. New York City, leave, right? Don't stay in these liberal hellholes. If you're in Toronto in Canada, what are you doing? Get out of there. Um, but I think that's pretty much all we have to say for now. And thank you so much for tuning in. As always, we'll see you next time. Bye.